Hello and welcome to A Word for This Day podcast. I'm Jory Schaefer, the show's host and creator, and it is my joy and my pleasure to welcome you today. Welcome back to all you regular listeners. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for making this a part of your day in whatever way that you use this podcast. Thank you for thinking, thinking about God's Word. That is what is most important is that we will keep our, our hearts and our minds stayed on Him that we will think about his word, which is truth, that we will study it, that we'll live it out and share it. It is just so important for us to do that, and I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to anyone who's here for the first time. Please don't run off quite yet, friend. Uh, Please stick around and listen to the episode and see what the Lord has for you today. I'm so excited for us to be here together. I want you to know that I, I do continue to pray for you daily, even though I don't know who you are, but God knows who you are. He knows what's going on in your life um, down to the smallest detail. And what a wonderful blessing that the the God of the universe, the creator of everything, um, the one who made a way for us to be saved and to have eternal life with him, uh, wants to have relationship with us. It's just, uh, it's hard to wrap our minds around and Uh, I'm just so thankful for that. But one of the ways that we can draw closer to him while we're here is to spend time in his word. So I I continue to pray that he'll give you more of a desire to know him and his word and that, that desire to spend time with him. Please consider sharing this podcast and Uh, with your friends, family, neighbors, strangers, just anyone who you think may wish to come along this journey with us and know as always that I love to hear from you. If you have not seen any of my short form videos about uh, the Bible verse journaling, I'm uh, showing an example of how I journal uh, our verse for the day uh, for this year's podcast. And so there are probably... Uh, links down in the show notes and if you are are, are interested in that you can uh, look for those on youtube and other of the social media platforms that have short form videos well today february the 6th 2024 our verse comes from second chronicles chapter 2 verse 6 and it reads as follows from the english standard version But who is able to build him a house, since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him, except as a place to make offerings before him? Oh, friends, I'm so excited for us to park here and see where we are in the scripture, see what was going on. And you know, isn't it just so neat the way God puts things together that we were just talking yesterday about how we are like living stones being built into a spiritual house for him. Um, It all fits together, friends. I'm telling you, I love that. And I love to see how God puts these together. I didn't realize that. I don't believe um, a year ago when I was picking these verses. So I just love it. I love that we get to... uh, park here and see what we can uh, what we can glean 
Well, we are in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles is one of those books of history. You will recall that the New Testament begins with the five books of the law. Then it moves to Old Testament history and then what we call the wisdom literature or sometimes wisdom and poetry literature and then to the major prophets and the minor prophets. This, uh, these books of Old Testament history pick up right after the children of Israel, um, right, or, or I should say, right after the law. So Moses, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, is giving all these farewell addresses um, because he is not going to be able to cross over into the promised land with the children of Israel. And so he's given them all these things to remember that God has said all about the law, making sure that they are reminded to obey God to follow him with all their heart, to have no other gods before him, not to go after the idols of the nations. And Joshua is getting ready to take over because God's told Moses that he can't go and he's going to die. So Joshua, as as we get into those Old Testament history books, it picks up with Joshua. Uh, Joshua judges Ruth, um, etc. And it um, tells about as those children, those chosen people are Uh, going over into the promised land. Well, Joshua was their leader for a while, and then after Joshua died, God sent judges, and I believe there were 13 of those, uh, to lead the people. It's different than than, uh, what we think of as a judge today, Uh, but they were leaders, often military leaders, um, and then After the judges, the people cried out for a king, and God um, sent the prophet Samuel to anoint the first king of Israel, King Saul. After Saul, there was David, and then after David, his son Solomon. Well, these uh, books of history tell about that. They also tell about the kings that came after Solomon and how um, that united kingdom of Israel that was 12 tribes. It was united under Saul and David um, and under Solomon, but Solomon was disobedient to the Lord later in his life, and part of that punishment would be that the kingdom was uh, taken away from him. So that united kingdom was split into the northern 10 tribes, and that was called Israel, and the southern two tribes, which were called Judah. Um, The books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings tell about the different kings all the way up until uh, the final um, exile when ba- uh, Babylon came in under King Nebuchadnezzar and took the Jewish exiles from uh, from Judah back to Babylon, and they were going to be there for seventy years. The northern kingdom of Israel, those northern ten tribes, have had already been scattered and conquered by Assyria back in the 700 B.C. This uh, Babylonian um, exile started in about 605 B.C. and I believe continued all the way up to about 586 B.C. Um, by the time all the exiles were carried off. And then they were there for 70 years, and they came, they went out in three waves, and they came back in three waves, uh, back to Jerusalem after that 70-year exile. 
And that first wave, and we talked about this a little bit with Ezra um, and Nehemiah just a couple of days ago, but that first wave came back under the direction of Zerubbabel and Joshua. That was a different Joshua than the Joshua that led them over into the promised land. And then by Ezra and then that final wave uh, with Nehemiah. And it is thought, even though it doesn't say anywhere in this book of Chronicles, that Ezra, that priest and scribe, was the one who wrote Ezra and Nehemiah and also First and Second Chronicles. Uh, it's thought that this was written sometime in the 400s BC so that those exiles would have this history or the chronicles or the annals of what happened. Um, this was thought to originally be one big book, but it was split into two for ease of copying. Um, and it was called the annals in the Hebrew text and then I believe chronicles in um, the Vulgate. So that's kind of the story. The interesting thing here, whereas first and second kings tell us about the um, the kings of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, first and second chronicles really only chronicle the kings of the southern kingdom. It will tell us about um, David and Solomon, but then it really doesn't talk about the kings of the northern kingdom. And it's thought that perhaps it was because God um, had said that he would continue uh, through David's lineage and that would go through that southern kingdom of Judah. So you'll see that difference, but you'll also see many parallels if you look at First and Second Kings along with Chronicles. Um, First Kings corresponds very much to what we see here at the beginning of Second Chronicles, and that's about uh, Solomon's reign. So here at the beginning of Second Chronicles, Solomon, well, at the at the first Chronicles, Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave that. And then in Second Chronicles, Solomon is preparing to build a temple for God. His father David had wanted to, but God told him that he would not build the temple, that it would be his son, um, Solomon. And uh, so Solomon is preparing to build the temple. Solomon at this time is following God. God has just given him this great wisdom and I want to start in chapter 2, verse 1, reading up to our verse for the day so that we can, uh, so that you can get the appropriate context. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1, Now Solomon purposed to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. And Solomon assigned 70,000 men to bear burdens and 80,000 to quarry in the hill country and 3,600 to oversee them. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, the king of Tyre, as you dealt with David, my father, and sent him cedar to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I'm about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense of sweet spices before him and for the regular arrangement of the showbread and for burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbaths and the new moons and the appointed feasts of the Lord our God as ordained forever in Israel. The, the house that I am to build will be great for our God is greater than all gods. And then here's our verse for the day. But who is able to build him a house? Since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him. 
Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? Oh, I love that. So now that you have the context, you can see that Solomon realized, and that had to have been Holy Spirit given, um, that even though he God had given him all these all this wisdom and all these riches, and he had that desire to build the Lord uh, a house, because prior to this, remember uh, the there had been a mobile tabernacle, a mobile tent that went with them in the wilderness. It was there was not just one big um, fancy structure, and so David had wanted to build God a house, and he. Uh, was not permitted because God said your son will do it. And so Solomon was doing that now. But Solomon realized that uh, really, you know, he says, who is able to build him a house since heaven, even highest heaven cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? He knew that it, God really couldn't be contained in a house built by hands. Uh, but we see this as an act of worship and an act of reverence, I think, for uh, Solomon and just like his uh, father, David, who wanted to build something special uh, as as special as their human hands or their human mind could do it uh, to reflect the greatness of God, even though nothing really built by human hands could do that. But remember, with God, it has always ever been about the heart. And so I think there, it seems from reading here that the intention, um, the the motive was right. They wanted something to be able to offer sacrifices and to show God's greatness to others. But as I mentioned, Solomon knew in his wisdom uh, that was given by God, the the wisdom was completely given by God, that there was really, God couldn't be contained in a house. There was nothing that a human could do to contain him. But just like, um, as I mentioned, uh, David, just like Solomon's dad wanted to build him a house, Solomon had been charged by his dad to do that. And he also respected the Lord and revered the Lord and feared the Lord and wanted to do this. And so I'm thankful that we get to see that of Solomon's heart. But I just want to show you something, though, that is so neat to me. And this is just so God. It shows the character of God. Um, Back when David had purposed to build God a a temple, a structure, a tabernacle uh, that was going to be uh, fancy and all this, I want you to hear what God told Solomon's dad. King David, who was described as a man after God's own heart, and he sent this message through Nathan the prophet. It says um, in Let's see, Second Samuel chapter seven verse eight. It says, "Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus the Lord says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I've been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more." And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my 
people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. See, that is such a God thing. David um, wanted in his heart to build something for God. And instead, God said, no, it's not for you. And he tells about that. He tells why, because he had had so much bloodshed. But the graciousness of God was that he was going to build for David a house. And I'm not talking about brick and mortar or cedar. I'm talking about his lineage. It goes on to say that there would never fail to be um, someone from David's lineage to sit on the throne of Israel forever and ever. And that was talking about Jesus. Well, David charged Solomon with building and And God had let David know that Solomon would be the one to build. And then in Solomon's wisdom, he, as he was praying to God and um, making statements about this, he knew that um, it was not something that he could contain, that God can be contained in. But he wanted to show that as an act of reverence, as an act of worship, as an act of praise, I think, to build that house. But I love what he says. Who is able to build him a house since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So Solomon had given that. Unfortunately, Solomon was disobedient to the Lord later and his heart was turned away. And and then as we talked about earlier, the 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 kingdom was divided, but God kept his promise, the promise he had made to David, that through him there would never fail to be someone to sit on the throne of Israel forever. And then as I think about this house, um, you know, Solomon wanted to build God a house, but just like what uh, God did for David, where he did something more that he could ask, more than he could ask or imagine, he has done the same for us. And while there is nothing made of human hands that can that will be good enough or that can hold God, think about what we talked about yesterday, that God is fitting us together, us believers, along with his son Jesus, and it's through Jesus, we're fitted together as living stones to be a dwelling place for God. God dwells in us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit now on this side of the cross. And he's fitting us together and he's putting us together, um, his, his church, which are the people, not the building. But he's fitting us together so that we can um, give him glory, so that we his Holy Spirit can reside in us here. And then one day he's going to allow us to be with him again forever and ever and ever. And I'm just so thankful for that. But this just reminds me when I think about the wisdom that um, God gave Solomon for him to realize that really no one can build God a house. God is the builder. God is the one that puts it all together. So as we close, I want to hop over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When the Apostle Paul was writing about this, there had been divisions in the church there, and some were saying, I follow Apollos, and some were saying, I follow Peter, and some, I follow Paul, and I follow Christ. And then uh, some of the uh, people were saying, well, this apostle did this, and this apostle did this. Listen what the Apostle Paul said. He says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. 
I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God puts us together. God does all the building. God gives the growth. God, It's all about him and his son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through all of this. They're all one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so I love this reminder, like I said, that nothing built by human hands can contain him, but he made us. He created us. He created us to worship him. And for those who would believe, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have are indwelt with the Holy Spirit as believers in Christ, and he fits us together to do what he would have us to do. And I just give him the thanks and praise for that, and I would encourage you to do the same. Blessings to you, friends. Until next time.